0: This is Haas. And this is Samson. With Franks and Deans.
1: In Las Vegas, Nevada. And unless unless we we feel feel like screaming at at the radio, radio, we we never listen listen to I Doubt It with with Dolomore. Guy's such an asshole. Yeah, but she's kind of hot, though.
0: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, welcome all, one and all, to The Big Show, episode 139 of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I am your always host, Jesse Dallimore. And sitting across from me is my up until now co-host, Brittany Page.
2: Up until now?
0: Well, we never know.
2: Oh. You know what I mean? Right. It
0: just, it may happen someday that you get shit canned and I don't want to have promised you up to this point that you will have continued employment in perpetuity okay if you know what i'm saying
2: how am i supposed to perform at an acceptable level if i'm constantly fearful of losing my job
0: well i think that you're the type probably i'm assuming and hope so that you're the type to perform well under pressure Uh uh-huh yeah so there you go
2: okay let's let's hope so
0: other than that how was your week
2: it was great. I registered for my second year in graduate school. Oh, yeah. And I'm preparing to start my internship.
0: You're a weirdo, though, because you're, you're the type of person, the type of student who loathes summer to a certain degree because you really you look forward to going back to school.
2: Yeah, I like being very busy and like you said, working under pressure. So <laughs> I, I like to be in school and I wish I could have taken summer school, but that didn't work out. So that,
0: that could also be the case that you're you're not a fan of the heat.
2: Yeah, that definitely plays a role as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: so summertime is not a great time for Britney Page.
2: Yeah, it just everything that disappoints me happens during the summertime. <laughs> but what about you? How about your week?
0: Uh, it has not it's been stressful mm. it's been stressful for me
2: and why is that?
0: well, as the audience may or may not know I have what's called a calcaneal spur on the back of my not on the bottom of the heel which is commonly where they are I have one there too but it's on the back of my heel and at every ter- every time that I complain about the pain i I get this from someone close to me in my life I'm a cowboy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
2: So are you getting that from more than just me, or is it me that you're referring to? No, it's just
0: you. (laughs) It hurts to walk, and every time that I grimace or wince in pain, I get a little of this.
2: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I have not once sang a kid rock song in my life. Do not put that on me.
0: I'm going to have to put that on you. It's not necessarily the specific song, although the Bon Jovi one I'm definitely getting. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the, the specifics of the song. It's the mocking nature with <laughs> which you're addressing and dealing with my severe pain.
2: You know, I'm just trying to be an optimist and find the positive spin on you having a spur on your foot. Don't <laughs> let
3: your babies grow up to be. Cowboy. Yes,
2: yeah. which is you're you're a cowboy. You have a real life spur. <laughs> you don't need to wear a boot with a spur. You have your own spur. It grew That's right. spontaneously if, out of your foot. If I was to have
0: uh, if I was to be on a lazy horse right now, I could just <laughs> heal them with my natural naked heel right. and get them to move because of the pain jabbing them in their side
2: okay i do i do feel bad for you though because i know that you you oh, are yeah, yeah i
0: can i can tell how, no. how bad you feel for me
2: I'm a <laughs> you are
4: <laughs> you are a
2: cowboy um you are always in pain though it hurts to walk even if you're not on your foot it hurts
0: right and then well th- what makes it worse is the fact that i'm going to and i'm not maligning The ability or the services that the Veterans Administration provides, however, they haven't done me a great deal of service in this particular case because they gave me like Tylenol three, which is like codeine, Tylenol with codeine, Mm -hmm. which I still have half a bottle because I stopped taking them because they don't work. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not look. I'm not looking for crazy opioids. I'm not looking for OxyContin's or, but you know, throw a couple. Vicodin, my way. A couple Vicodin would would go a long way toward curbing the crazy, terrible pain.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know. It's no good. I could also use a trip to the doctor because I scalded my neck today.
0: Oh, Jesus. While
2: cooking sausage, breakfast sausage. Yeah. Some grease jumped out of the pan and landed right on my neck. You know, the,
0: the thing about that is, is you always want to paint me as someone who is a malingerer. No. As someone who complains unduly about the pain or illness from which they suffer. No. Oh, yeah, you do. You for sure do. When I'm sick, you're like, you're fine. Okay, I do that for everything. But you're serious about it. And then when you get bit by a mosquito or in turn have something, a a, a little dot of grease fly up and land on your neck, you act like the world is ending.
2: (laughs) Okay, listen... Everyone heard about my bites a couple episodes ago. I had these mysterious bites all over my legs. If
0: by mysterious bites you mean you didn't see the mosquito (laughs) bite you, then yes, they were mysterious.
2: But I had a severe reaction to this. You did. I was showing people my legs, and they were a little freaked out by how bad this reaction was. But you
0: started searching WebMD, like searching MRSA. You, You... you took it a little far.
2: Okay. I was terrified. You were, you were
0: looking up Lyme disease. Like, it's catastrophic.
2: Okay. A I,
0: mosquito bite, and all of a sudden you think you have full-blown AIDS.
2: Yeah. And it turns out that I don't. <laughs> so that is positive news.
0: <laughs> that is positive news, yes. They went away. They yeah. healed
2: in the same amount of time any other bug bite would, but they looked pretty bad, so... Anyway, back to your spur. You have a podiatrist appointment on the fifteenth.
0: <laughs> That's right. This week, I, I I have a doctor's appointment to to go see a specialist. And what I well, I believe, I mean, obviously, I'm no medical professional, but I do believe it's going to end up with surgery because in the X-rays, maybe we should post a picture of the X-rays on on the Facebook page. They are not good. Yeah, it's it looks, you know. I'm a
2: cowboy. You know, like I, I'm wonder, a cowboy. I wonder if any of our listeners have had experience with calcaneal spurs. That would be interesting. Yeah, but
0: this isn't just your run-of-the-mill goddamn spur. This thing is, it is a beast. It is... the it's doctor, a double spur. The doctor who looked at it said to me, and we're ending this here because we're going way too long about my god, my malady. Uh, the doctor who looked at it said they'd never seen anything that severe.
2: Yes, that is true.
0: So, anyway... We will we will move on. A little information for those of you who have reviewed the podcast, and this is not necessarily a call of me begging everyone to review and rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. However, um, we have gotten messages from people who have said, "Hey, listen, I know you keep talking about reviewing the podcast, and I have not uh, mine has not been posted. I have reviewed, and it's not showing up. This is this might be the problem." It's either you're an 80-year-old man or woman who doesn't understand technology, although I doubt that's the case with our audience, or you cursed in your review. iTunes, although they let me say fuck, shit, cock, whatever I want to say, they don't like it to be in the reviews.
2: <laughs> right.
0: So if you did use, even maybe even damn, if you used a word that's a curse word, In your review, you need to edit that, re-review the show, and it'll fix it. It'll show up. So, go do that. We would appreciate it very much. The other thing, informational, is I have had several reports of this particular thing over the past month or so of people who don't subscribe to the show with a podcast app on their phone or on their computer that they actually physically go to the website To Listen to the show. Now, while that is a a good thing that you're listening to the show, it could be so much easier for you if you would just download a podcatcher or a podcast app onto your smartphone and subscribe to the show that way.
2: Which, if you have an iPhone, they should all have, if they're updated with the latest software, they should all have a podcast app on there that can't even be deleted. Yeah,
0: it's, a, it's what's called a native app.
2: They put it on there against your will. You have no choice. <laughs> so it's there. You might as well make use of it, right? It's very
0: draconian, but you might as well roll with it since you can't delete the goddamn thing. Yes. Yeah. So go do that. Help us out. It would go a long way.
2: And if you don't have an iPhone and you're wondering what other kind of pod catcher...
0: Oh, yeah. That's the other <laughs> um, thing. Yeah.
2: Stitcher is one. We're yeah. on Stitcher. And then that's all I know about that. Well, that would
0: be probably the most <laughs> famous one that I know about for Android and non-iPhone phones. Okay. Because we're both iPhone snobs.
2: Well, I'm not. You are. I just have an iPhone.
0: Wow. Damn. <laughs> I need I, I need a drop for that. Yeah. I, you know, this isn't going to work.
2: I'm a <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not going to work. That that might just become to symbolize you making fun of me.
2: Yes, it should.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. democracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. It is a big week in politics. No. Seems like every week... The closer we get to the presidential election, the the bigger the week is. Uh everybody knows, we've talked about it the last two episodes, that Donald Trump has announced his candidacy for the Republican nomination for president of the United States.
2: And that he's in the lead.
0: And that he is in the league lead in a couple of states. One, North Carolina specifically, but he is not in the lead nationally. Well, it is. Ruffled the feathers of so many that it it has forced David Letterman to come out of retirement (laughs) to deliver what ended up being a top 10 list. He was in San Antonio in a surprise appearance with Martin Short. Yes. And Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. The two men, if you don't know them, they were alongside Chevy Chase in the movie uh, Three Amigos. Mm Mm-hmm. Great
2: film. (laughs) No.
0: It is a good movie. It's a very funny movie. Anyway, so he comes out on stage and pulls an envelope out of his suit pocket, and this transpired.
3: What is this, Dave? Well, uh, every suit I own comes with a top ten (laughs) list. Thank you. Thank you now, this is the top ten list. That's right, Paul. Ah. Right now, Paul is doing what he's always been meant to do he's a Major D in a spaceship. <laughs> People think that we would know everything by now about a man, Donald Trump. A high-profile fellow. Somebody who doesn't shy away from every aspect of his life. But take a look at the list I have here tonight. Interesting facts about Donald Trump.
0: what that guy just said. was we'll send him to Texas. The guy in the audience.
3: Okay, here we go. Number 10. That thing on his head was the gopher in Caddyshack. <laughs> Never die during sex. Donald Trump calls out his own name.
2: Probably true.
3: Trump looks like the guy in the lifeboat with the women and children. <laughs> Number seven, he wants to build a wall. How about building a wall around that thing on his head? <laughs> Two jokes about the thing on his head. done That's right, we're only at six. Number six, Trump walked away from a moderately successful television show. For some dis- uh, delusional bullshit. Oh no, wait, that's me. <laughs> I don't know. That's... Oh, number five. I'm waiting for number five. number five. Donald Trump weighs 240 pounds. 250 with cologne.
0: <laughs> yeah I-
3: Number four, Trump would like all Americans to know that that thing on his head is free rage. You know, we're going to skip number three. Okay, number three. Send him to Texas. I saw the line outside, I was hoping it was a Spurs game. I'm from Indiana, I don't think the Pacers are still in the lead. I'm from New York, I don't think the Knicks are still in the lead. Uh, Number three, if president, instead of pardoning a turkey on Thanksgiving, plans to evict the family on Thanksgiving. Now, wait a a minute. Number three, we have a tie. It's tied with, that's not a hairdo, it's a wind advisory. (laughs) It's a tie. Number two, Donald Trump has pissed off so many Mexicans, he's starring in a new movie entitled No Amigos. about Donald Trump. Thanks to Donald Trump, the Republican mascot
2: is also an ass. There you go. So some of those were funny. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, it's just like any other top 10 list from David Letterman. Some are funny. Eh, some are not.
2: Right. But I think he's illustrating a, a good point, which is...
0: Donald Trump is a jackass? Uh,
2: Yeah. And also, I mean, a lot of people are viewing his whole act is kind of a joke
0: uh yeah even
2: somebody's
5: s- doing the raping dot
2: even <laughs> his some of his fellow republican candidates
0: yeah uh jeb bush was talked to early last week on it looked like the grounds of a county fair or something and he had this to say
6: I don't assume he's, like, he's, he thinks that every Mexican crossing the border is a rapist. I mean, so he's doing this to inflame and to incite and to get to draw attention, which is seems to be his organizing principle of his campaign. And um, he doesn't represent the Republican Party or its values.
0: And then later in the week, he had an interview, Jeb Bush, had an interview with with uh, Fox News and Brett Baer. And he was asked once again about Donald Trump. I'm sure on the trail, on the campaign trail, he's just repeatedly being asked over and over and over about the guy who's in second place to him, and he had this to say.
1: Deep dissatisfaction with politicians, do you think that's why Donald Trump is having success?
6: I don't know if he's having success, we'll see in the long haul, but there is a deep disaffection with the political system. Look, if 60% of Americans think that they're in a recession in the sixth year of a recovery, they're not stupid. They aren't a recession. That's the conclusion I think that what people ought to have. And you look at Washington; no consensus has been built, no forging consensus to deal with the big challenges that regular people face. And so, my candidacy is going to be about solving problems rather than, you know, making a point all the time.
5: So, when you hear Donald Trump, is he bad for the GOP?
6: I've already stated my views about Donald Trump. I, I, You're done. I'm done. You're through. I'm through. I gave my views. I just think uh, that we need to be much more hopeful and optimistic about our ideology we have the winning ideology limited government personal responsibility individual liberty creates more prosperity and more advantages than any other form of political philosophy we should focus on that and not not get into a food fight that only brings energy uh, to to someone who I doubt will be president and is not a constructive force for our party
0: pretty plainly stated I mean, he's not really mincing words. He's not saying, fuck that guy. <laughs> right. But he is saying, look, he's not a constructive force in the political dialogue.
2: Right. He's not even worth talking about at this point.
0: And he might be appealing to the lowest common denominator, which apparently seems to be quite a large number of Republicans. Yes. But I also, this is something that we haven't talked about, is that I believe that he's not only appealing to that lowest common denominator within organized Republican people, Mm -hmm. but also amongst independents and the disaffected politically. People who maybe haven't been involved in the process up until this point who are now energized by his hateful shit that he's saying. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the facts, but it certainly seems that way to me. In other news... I, well, not it's not other, it's related news. Um, I want to make a pledge to you, the audience, that what happened last week isn't going to happen anymore. I hope to stick to it. It's just easy to get caught up in the sideshow, circuits-like atmosphere that Donald Trump has created. Last week, Hillary Clinton also gave an interview with CNN which completely fell through the cracks. And even up till the time right now that I'm talking into this microphone at 8.30 p.m. on Sunday, I haven't heard any reflection on that interview. It just got completely lost in the shuffle. CNN stopped talking about it. Other networks stopped talking about it. And there was a lot that needed to be analyzed. There was a lot there of substance that needed to be talked about Um, That came from the interview and because of the bullshit freak show sideshow circus like atmosphere that surrounds Donald Trump it got lost in the shuffle and the media is to blame but also I'm to blame for that because I got caught up in that and I it's a failure on the media's part and although I I mean I guess. Technically, I am a part of the media because I cover this and I I have an audience. Um, It's a failing. It should not have happened.
2: Well, and I I recently saw an article that said Hillary Clinton is going to skate by relatively undetected and win this election because of Donald Trump. And That's
0: that's, um, a a danger for sure.
2: What happened last week indicates that that's a possibility because she gave this interview with CNN the day before Donald Trump gave his interview with CNN and Donald Trump's interview with Anderson Cooper just completely took over everything. Yeah. Everyone for sure. was talking about it. No one talked about Hillary Clinton.
0: Right. Well in this first clip uh, the interview was with Bre- uh, CNN's Brianna Keeler and they're talking about specifically about people the a recent poll, a Quinnipiac poll where people indicated a majority of people in three very important swing states indicated that they do not trust Hillary Clinton.
7: And To fight for them and trusting someone, these are these are two different things. Do you see any role that you've had in this sentiment that we've seen where people are questioning whether you're trustworthy?
4: I can only tell you Brianna that this has been a theme that has been used against me and my husband for many many years and at the end of the day I think voters sort it all out I have great confidence I trust the American voter so I trust the American voter a hundred percent because I think you know the American voter will weigh these kinds of uh, accusations I mean you know people write books filled with unsubstantiated attacks against us and even admit they have no evidence but of course it's your job to cover it so of course that's going to raise questions uh, in people's minds but during the course of this campaign just as in my two prior campaigns and in my other years of service I have a lot of confidence that the American people can sort it all out
7: would you vote for someone that
4: you don't trust well they people should and do uh, trust me and I have every confidence that uh, that will be the outcome of this election. I, I cannot decide what the attacks on me will be no matter how unfounded. And I'm well aware of the fact that it's your job to raise those and we'll do our best to uh, respond to them. But I think what people talk to me about and that's all I can, go on is the literally thousands of people that I've seen in the course of this campaign. They want to know what I'm going to do for the economy, what I'm going to do for education, what I'm going to do for health care. And they trust me to have a plan and to be committed to carrying out that plan. And they should because I will. So
2: as usual, this is avoiding the question, not addressing things. And apparently Hillary Clinton didn't read or is choosing not to specifically addressed the Quinnipiac poll that came out that specifically surveyed swing state voters on her trustworthiness.
0: Important states too. States like Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, states that really matter in the election, the voters are not happy.
2: Right. So in Florida, 51% of voters hold a negative view of Clinton compared to 43% who feel she is trustworthy.
0: Let's let's break that down. Let's unpack that a little bit. 51% in Florida... One of two of the most important swing states, Ohio and Florida and Colorado, but, but, but for sure Florida and Ohio are, are the most important swing states. 51% of voters in, in Florida do not believe she is trustworthy. 43% do believe she's trustworthy. That's an eight point gap. So there's 8% of the people who can be swayed here. These are big numbers.
2: In Ohio, 53% of voters find Clinton not trustworthy, compared to 40% who do. Yeah, it's even worse. And in Pennsylvania, 54% of voters find her to be dishonest or not trustworthy, while 40% do. This is
0: a big problem. So
2: that's 14 percentage points. Yeah,
0: this is a big problem for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, my problem with her answer is that she doesn't take any responsibility for these numbers it's right these unsubstantiated attacks on me and this is a theme that's been being been used for years and it's still being used against me right it's, in the late 90s she coined a phrase oh this is all part of the vast what right-wing conspiracy
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it seems that that's is a theme that she's going to run with.
2: A continuing narrative.
0: Going into the future. That's exactly right. The continuing Hillary Clinton narrative that everybody's out attacking me. No one has any evidence. The problem with that is the reason no one has any evidence is because you do shit like delete 33,000 emails on your own personal server while in the charge doing government work. The interview continued about that very subject.
7: One of the uh, issues that has eroded some trust that we've seen is the issue of your email practices while you were secretary of state. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand what your thought process was on that. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me the story of how you decided to delete 33,000 emails and how that deletion was executed?
4: Well, let's start from the beginning. Everything I did was permitted there was no law there was no regulation there was nothing that did not give me the full authority to decide how i was going to communicate previous secretaries of state have said they did the same thing and people across the government knew that i used one device maybe it was uh, because I am not the most technically capable person and uh, wanted to make it as easy as possible.
7: But you said they, that they did the same thing, that they used a personal server mm-hmm. and, and well, a personal while facing email. a subpoena, deleted emails
4: from them? Uh, you know, you're starting with so many assumptions that are. I've never had a subpoena. There is nothing. Again, let's take a deep breath here. Everything <laughs> I did was permitted by law and regulation, I had one device. When I mailed anybody in the government, it would go into the government system. Now I didn't have to turn over anything. I chose to turn over 55,000 pages because I wanted to go above and beyond what was expected of me because I knew the vast majority of everything that was official already was in the State Department system. And now I think it's kind of fun. People get a real time behind the scenes look at, you know, what I was emailing about and what I was communicating about but wearing warm the, socks, yeah, as you said to
7: John. Podesta. Exactly.
4: And or you working know, a fax
7: machine. <laughs>
4: yeah, a secure fax machine, which is yes, harder to work than the, yes. than the regular. So, yes, this is being blown up with no basis in law or in fact. That's fine. I get it. This is being, in effect, used by the Republicans in the Congress. Okay, but I want people to understand what the truth is. And the truth is, everything I did was permitted, and I went above and beyond what anybody could have expected in making sure that if the State Department didn't capture something, I made a real effort to get it to them. And I had no obligation to do any of that. So let's set the record straight. And those 55,000 pages, they will be released over the course of this year. People can, again, make their own judgment.
0: It's just there's so much disingenuous bullshit going on there that it's it's crazy.
2: And well, I also don't like the let's let's take a deep breath here in all these kind of weird phrases to be. Almost manipulative, it feels like.
0: Well, she's also trying to claim that all other, oh, it's so common, so many other secretaries of state have done this. No one's ever had their own server. No one's ever been in a position to delete or keep or anything this much, any emails, not one. She always refers back to Colin Powell, who did have his own email. And used his own phone. But you have to keep in mind, there's been such a giant technological leap over the course of the 10 years, the 10 to 15 years that those two people held office, held that position.
2: Well, and what's confusing to me is she's saying she used one device because it was less confusing, or what was the wording that she used?
0: Well, she's not tech-savvy, is ultimately what she's saying.
2: I mean, if if we don't have a president who is tech-savvy enough to handle two cell phones, I mean, you know how to work one. Right. Doesn't that mean you should know how to work a second one?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. You're it already, is kind of a deal where you've, you you worked one cell phone, you've worked them all.
2: Yeah. But but
0: my thing is, though, that she had her own server under her control when she was subpoenaed. And that's the other thing. She says, oh, I was never I was never subpoenaed. Right. That's a lie. There is proof. We have evidence from the Washington Post of the subpoena. She was subpoenaed. In Relative to all the entire Benghazi investigation, which these emails spanned. So she was under, she was compelled to testify by the United States Congress. Republican controlled or not, it is still the Congress of the United States compelling the United States Secretary of State to testify, to provide certain documents. She refused, and then in the onset, many months later, deleted what could have been vital information. And here's the rub. We don't know if what she deleted, which is a fucking weird thing to do in the first place, we don't know whether it was important or whether it was her talking about going to Dairy Queen. We don't know. (laughs) We'll never know because it's deleted. It's obstructionist. If there was no problem with everything there, then release it.
2: Right. Well, and that's another thing. I'm I'm sure that she's real excited that everyone gets a behind the scenes look. I'm sure she thinks it's right. really funny and interesting that people get a behind the scenes look. Please. Well, she's trying to be Please. affable.
4: Well, they people should and do, uh, trust me.
0: <laughs> that sounds honest on its face right there. Well, people people do. Uh, uh, or at least they should. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's unfortunate because it, she's making it difficult to be on her side when she's not being honest about things. Yeah,
0: for sure. All right, well, going back, we're going to stick in with this segment, but going back, let's talk a little bit about Jeb Bush again. He he kind of stepped on it this week or maybe in it this week when he made a comment about Pete, about working longer hours and how that is the the right way to get the economy back on track many of my more progressive or liberal Facebook friends also reposted and um, did different daily Kos articles or you know the typical liberal media outlets jumped on it and made a giant deal out of it. kind of the binders full of women and that type of thing happened um, However,
2: I forgot about binders full of women yeah the
0: the the, the not Mitt Romney the not conservative 538.com. With Nate Silver at the helm, they published an article that would be contrary to the liberal mindset on this.
2: Right. They say that Jeb Bush's claim may have been bad politics, but he got the economics pretty much right. So this was what Jeb Bush said. This was his full quote. My aspiration for the country, and I believe we can achieve it, is 4% growth as far as the eye can see, which means we have to be a lot more productive. Workforce participation has to rise from its all-time modern lows, means that people need to work longer hours, and through their productivity gain, more income for their families. That's the only way we're going to get out of this rut we're in. And like you said, Democrats seized on the longer hours line, which they called out of touch, and Bush scrambled to clarify that he was talking about the need for more full-time jobs. So 538 says that rather than focusing on just one controversial phrase, it's worth looking at the whole statement that Bush made. They say Bush, in highlighting one of the most basic formulas in macroeconomics, in its most simplified form, a country's economic output is the product of its number of workers times how many hours they work times how much they can produce in an hour. If you want the economy to grow faster, you have to get at least one of those three factors, workers, hours, or productivity, to accelerate.
0: So what he said wasn't wrong. Now, in this article from 538, they have several charts that show labor force participation rate, uh, average hours worked per week, the number of involuntary part-time workers, meaning they would love to be full-time. However, it's the choice of the company that they only work part-time. Well, they have all these charts that run from like 1970 to, to 2015, 2006 to 2015, and it really paints a picture That what he was talking about was we need more people to be in full-time employment, not part-time employment. So jumping on, and it goes with what we say all the time, that you don't have to lie or misrepresent the facts to bolster your opinion. Because if what you say is true, the truth will win out.
2: Right. So 538 reports that though overall hours may have recovered, full-time employment remains below pre-recession levels, even before adjusting for the growing population. And 6.5 million Americans are working part-time because they cannot find full-time work, a number that's been falling rapidly but remains far above normal. In other words, many Americans are ready to, quote, work longer hours if only they could find a job that would let them. So 538 says Bush is right that labor force participation, hours, and productivity have all been trouble spots for the U.S. economy in recent years, in most cases going back well before the recent recession. And he's right, they say, that there's no way to achieve faster economic growth without improving those metrics. And they don't let him off the hook completely because they say the real question, of course, is how to do that. Bush has promised a 4% annual growth rate, but hasn't provided much detail on how he'd get there. Most economists are skeptical that any president has enough control over the economy to make good on such promise saying we need more full-time jobs is easy creating them is much tougher
0: awesome article listen here's the thing you need to find and this is again i'm going to harp on sources you need to find a source when you look for information that is credible i believe 538 to be a very credible source Most of the time, it's going to come down on the liberal side of things because typically Republican economics doesn't necessarily work the way they say it does. Find a good source and go to that when you're getting ready to post your article about some misquote that took place relative to some presidential candidate.
2: Well, and it's not necessarily a misquote, but it's about taking it in the full context. And I think the reason 538 is so great is because it's a data-driven news source. And so the person that wrote this article, I mean, there's several charts. They went and they found data. They do some, some great work at 538 because it's data-driven. Right, right. And even though, you know, you want to send a message that what Jeb Bush said is out of touch or whatever it really is worth it to try to get the full picture rather than just rushing to some talking points because you want to make conservatives look bad yeah you can make conservatives look bad still you just do it Listen, accurately <laughs> you
0: don't even have to make some conservatives look bad they'll do the job on their own <laughs> right you know the guys like Todd Akin about you know legitimate rape or D- Donald Trump you know, saying his crazy shit. Somebody's doing the raping, Don. They're, they're going to trip over their own feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, although, listen, I encourage everybody to get involved in the process. Have conversations on social media. Have conversations in your living room over dinner, whatever. Do it, but do it with, with some integrity.
2: And have conversations with us.
0: And have conversations with us. And you could do that damn, Brittany, that was really good. Uh, 657-464-7609. That is our number. You can leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail there. We would love for you to join with us in moving the conversation forward.
2: Well, and before we move on, I want to say that on our next episode, we're planning to talk about the Seventh-day Adventist vote on ordaining women as pastors That's right. in the faith. And they voted against doing that.
0: That is right. The
2: year is 2015, let it me is, remind you.
0: It is 2015. Thank you for the reminder.
2: And we're going to be discussing that. So if you have a thought... About that.
0: Well, it also looks like right now we are going to be discussing it with friend of the show, former Seventh day Adventist pastor Ryan Bell. So if you have a specific question for Pastor Ryan Bell, <laughs> then send that in. I doubt it at dollamore.com. You can tweet it to us at I doubt it podcast or again, one more time, the phone number 657 464 76. So late this last week, I believe Friday, the Confederate flag came down for hopefully the last time above a government building in South Carolina. This all came after much debate in both the, the South Carolina Senate and the South Carolina House of Representatives, and it is a good day, a historic historic moment for the state in the wake of the slaughter of nine people in Charleston, South Carolina, at the hands of the maniac, Dylan Roof.
2: And so it's for the first time in more than 50 years, there is now no Confederate flag flying at the South Carolina Capitol.
1: It's absolutely beautiful. News of this major fail came just hours after that historic moment in Columbia, South Carolina. The Confederate flag lowered on State House grounds, the families of those nine victims weeping. Tonight, Steve Osinsami with the protesters circling at that moment and where that flag will now end up. This is the historic moment. There were no words, no speeches, just a group of state troopers in white gloves and thousands who endured the oppressive heat to witness history, some of them holding the same Confederate battle flag that's about to come down. I had tears in my eyes. It's really a shame. David Bryson was six years old when they put the battle flag at the Statehouse.
6: You know, it wasn't just about heritage,
1: it was about hate. South Carolina officials reserved a special viewing place for the families of the nine people killed and the alleged hate crime at a Charleston Bible study that led to this day. They were crying. It took just a few seconds to bring the battle flag down. It was wrapped in a string and handed to the curator of a state relic museum by a black state trooper. When the crowds died down, they quietly took down the flagpole. But take a look. The culture war continues. We're seeing a pickup truck waving large Confederate flags, endlessly circling the grounds here. The flag will now be displayed in a state relic room, part of a deal worked out with lawmakers. David.
0: So that all seems very fitting. It is going to a museum and more fitting to the relic room of a museum. That is where it belongs to be viewed at in a historic context. Not flying over the government, proudly proclaiming the policy, the, the history behind it, as though the government endorses it. It's not good.
2: And, of course, there's backlash coming from this. Um,
0: of course. People
2: are saying that they're putting flags out. Every time one is taken down, we're going to put five or six of them up. They are you know, not accepting the decision. But the fact remains, it's not at the Capitol anymore. Well, and that's what the whole point of this was. Any individual absolutely. can still fly the flag, wear the flag. Fly it out of your pickup truck, whatever you want to do. It's not flying on the, the government building, the government property. And that's the whole point.
0: That is it. You still have the right to display your hateful, traitorous Confederate flag all you want. All this means is that it's not going to fly over the official government buildings within the state of South Carolina.
2: And of course, there's still more work to do because several southern states have the flag incorporated into their state flag, Mississippi, right. or still have it on government buildings. But that will, I'm sure, be taken care of as time goes on. It
0: is a matter of time. Look, progress doesn't always happen fast, but it happens. It's steady. What I want to talk about in reference to this, I don't. I know this. We're, I don't want to belabor the point, but I think it, it really does stand a little bit of discussion here. And that is that within South Carolina, there is a uh, dynastic family in politics, the the Thurman family, Strom Thurman, um, the former governor of South Carolina, the former presidential candidate for the state's rights party, the Dixiecrats, uh, the the former longest serving United States senator for the state of South Carolina, not just for the state of South Carolina, but period. He left office, I believe, when he was 100 or 101 years old. This is a man who ran against Truman for president in 1948. And I, when I worked for the United States Senate in the late 90s, I knew I didn't know him like we were buddies, but I had several occasions to meet Strom Thurmond. So he had been there from, he had been in government and, and around politics for god damn right. many 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 decades but early on in his career he was a states rights kind of guy he was a racist this is a short clip from a political speech given by Strom Thurmond from South Carolina
3: there's not enough troops in the army to force the southern people to and admit the Nicolaitis into our theaters, into our spring pools, into our homes, and into our churches.
0: He's saying there's not enough troops in the army to force segregation onto the South. Yikes. While dropping the n bomb. Terrible. This is a one of those news reels that they would play before movies back in the olden times talking about the state's rights aspect and i'm getting to a point here and i guess i'll tell you the point before we move on but one i'm going to talk about the dynastic element here and how his son paul thurmond state senator for south carolina is kind of turning it around for this family relative to their legacy but the other thing is this state's rights argument that it was so ingrained in southern thinkers and southern politics is still ingrained but now it's just switched to the against gays and against marriage for the gay community
2: great point the southern revolt
1: against president truman reaches its climax at birmingham under the state's rights banner Venerable Alfalfa Bill Murray comes out of retirement to join in the protest against the president's civil rights program. More than 6,000 flock to the Rump Convention to select the presidential ticket. In the forefront of the move are Alabama and Mississippi delegates who voted the Democratic National Convention at Philadelphia. <laughs> Thirteen southern states are represented in the uprora session which precedes the nomination of Governor Thurmond of South Carolina and Fielding Wright of Mississippi as party standard bearers. Governor Thurmond attacks the civil rights plank. It simply means that it's
3: another effort on the part of the president to dominate the country by force and to put into effect these
8: uncalled for and these damnable proposals, he has recommended under the guise of the so-called civil rights. And i tell you, the American people from one side or the other had, a, had better wake up and oppose such a program. And if they don't, the next thing will be a totalitarian state in these United
1: States. So...
2: Oh, these, hey, Mike Huckabee, how yeah, you doing?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> these arguments should be very familiar to everybody here in 2015. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same shit that's being argued against allowing gay Americans the same rights as straight Americans. We have a group of people who are born a certain way. It doesn't have anything to do with them being born a certain color, but they're born with a certain genetic component to them. Mm-hmm. And members of the South are not wanting them to have the same rights As everybody else. Right. Well, Strom Thurmond has a son, who I mentioned earlier, is a state senator for South Carolina. In the wake of the murder of his colleague, Senator Pinckney, and during debate to take down or not to take down the flag, the Confederate flag, over government buildings in South Carolina, he had a lot of very poignant things to say during about a 10-minute speech now this isn't the entire speech but this is part of the speech that i thought was very moving very heartfelt and i think very honest and inadvertently will end up maybe correcting the legacy of hatred from his family
5: i think the time is right and the ground is fertile for us to make progress as a state and to come together and remove the Confederate battle flag from the prominent statue outside the State House and put it in the museum. It is time to acknowledge our past, atone for our sins, and work towards a better future. That future must be built on symbols of peace, love, and unity. That future cannot be built on symbols of war, hate, and divisiveness. As lawyers, we are taught to see issues from both sides, and so I want to discuss what I perceive to be both sides to make it clear that I have reviewed this position and am not simply reacting. On the one side, some feel that the flag represents oppression and is a constant reminder of the Old South and of slavery. I understand why many citizens of South Carolina feel that way. On the other hand, some say that the Confederate battle flag represents the South's heritage and ancestry. Let's talk about the heritage aspect. My family has been in South Carolina for many generations. I was told that my great-grandfather was with General Lee when he surrendered at Appomattox. I am aware of my heritage, but my appreciation for the things that my forebearers accomplished to make my life better doesn't mean that I must believe that they always made the right decisions. And for the life of me, I will never understand how anyone could fight a civil war based in part on the desire to continue the practice of slavery. Think about it for just a second. Our ancestors were literally fighting to continue to keep human beings as slaves and continue the unimaginable acts that occur when someone is held against their will. I am not proud of this heritage. These practices were inhumane and were wrong, wrong, wrong. Now we have these hate groups and the symbols that they use to remind African-Americans that things haven't changed and they, they are still viewed as less than equal human beings. Well, let me tell you, things have changed. Overwhelmingly, people are not being raised to hate or to believe that they are superior to others based on the color of their skin. My generation was raised to respect all people of every race, Religion and gender—pretty,
2: pretty powerful.
5: Yeah,
0: it it really does, and I, I I really like the way that the speech was structured. That he he goes in to talk about the deep roots he has within Southern history and heritage. That one of his great grandfathers was there with Robert E. Lee at the surrender at Appomattox. That's that's big time that's that goes back a long ways
2: right and I think it does more it goes further in making those from the South really face well why is it that I feel so tied to this He right? has he has similar roots as me and now he's kind of reflecting on that and he's starting to change his mind about what it means and maybe I should do the same yeah
0: if if the son of Strom Thurmond, if Paul Thurmond can feel this way, I can feel this way too.
2: Right. I mean, this isn't Barack Obama.
0: Right. No, it's Republican Senator <laughs> right. Paul Thurmond. Right. The son of racist, maybe former racist, because he did have sex with a black woman and have a illegitimate black child. You know, he died at like hundred and one, and she died at like eighty-seven. So he, you know,
2: so that he had
0: a taste for the black lady. Well, it's. <laughs>
2: It's kind of the the race form of a truth wiener.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And
2: so he was fighting against Listen, race relations. I
0: will never back away from that assertion that the wiener don't lie, Brittany. It okay. don't.
2: But what I'm saying is, so this isn't coming from an out-group person. So people that are in this group can say, well, this is one of us. Yeah. And, and if he
0: can change, so can I.
2: Yeah. I think it, I mean, it. Probably not for many people, but for some people, that narrative is more helpful than the opposition coming in and trying to express this view. Sure. Well,
0: kind of tangentially related to this in a sideways kind of manner is, like I said earlier, this entire gay rights topic. In the wake of the Supreme Court's June 26th ruling that marriage be extended As a fundamental right to all Americans, whether gay or straight, the state of Kentucky has found itself in in kind of a, a problem. Many clerks across the state, county clerks, have been denying marriage licenses to gay couples. Now, just as a point of information, I want to talk about exactly what a county clerk is. It is a political position... Within a county, there is one county clerk. It's not like just a clerk that you sit when you walk up to the counter at a a government office and the person that's helping you is the clerk. This is an actual position. I think that within some counties, they are elected. It's an elected uh, job. Yes. So... The I, I'm assuming you have the definition there in front of you as I stall to talk.
2: Yes. So the county clerk is responsible for filing vital records or important documents related to a specific county's population, including birth, death and marriage certificates. Depending on the size of the population, the duties of the job can go a lot further than that. And this article says that if you've ever wanted to fill an elected civil service position bursting at the seams with responsibility, then consider working as a county clerk. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, so that's what a clerk is. So two gentlemen, two gay gentlemen in the state of Kentucky, David Moore and David Ermold, they went to their county government building to apply for a marriage license. Not to apply for, but to get a marriage license so they can be married under the new Supreme Court ruling.
2: In Rowan County, right?
0: Rowan County. That's right. Morehead, Kentucky.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No joke to be said. There's no joke there, Brittany. It's okay. Just, it's just Morehead County or yeah. uh, Morehead, Kentucky Yeah. in R- R- Rowan County. Right. Rowan County.
2: Morehead. That's
0: right. You know, I lived in a in a county and city near a county and city in North Carolina that was Morehead County. Or it's Craven County in Moorhead, North Carolina.
2: There's a Moorhead in every state?
0: Cor- Craven. Craven Moorhead. Oh,
2: yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little slow.
0: I'm not bullshitting either. Look that up. That's the facts.
2: I'm going to look it up I'm right sure now.
0: Everybody's rushing to Google Maps right now. Yes. So, anyway, so these two Davids, David Moore and David Ermold, they went into their county clerk's office and they posted a video of the experience. Now, the video itself is about 11 minutes long. I will spare you. The, the moments where they're just standing there waiting to be helped and not being helped. But uh, these are the portions of the video that I thought were poignant and that I thought you should listen to.
2: And uh, warning, this is going to make you very angry.
0: Well, the reason... Listen, we weren't going to do this because this, everybody's talking about this video and everybody's... But the reason I wanted to bring this to you, audience, is the fact that while watching this entire 11 and a half or 12 minute video... I don't know if you've ever been in a road rage incident or a a time in your life where you had that fight or flight response where your hands start to tingle and your heart is beating fast and you want to beat the shit out of someone. This happens or has happened to me in my life more often than I'd like to talk about. However, it happened while watching this video. I was very angry. So this is part one. This is when they just get out of the car, and the, the their their friend, the woman who is filming, kind of introduces what is happening, and they talk to. Hang on. Let me get mine
9: on. Okay. You're good. We're getting ready to go into the Round County Courthouse and apply for a marriage license. We've been together for 17 years. We've lived in Rowan County for 10 years, and we feel that it's our right as citizens according to the Supreme Court and according to the governor of Kentucky that we should be able to get get married. And Kim Davis is refusing. Apparently going to refuse that right if we go in today. Let's find out. Yes.
2: Go. should hold hands. <laughs> So, the woman that you're going to hear talking is the woman that's filming. And so, this is a couple that's been together for a long time.
0: 17 years, they said.
2: They're walking into this government building to obtain their marriage license. And the woman filming it says, why don't you guys hold hands? That's right. And they don't.
0: And, you know, the... The aggressive guy in me. Well, why didn't they should have done that? They should have put it right in their faces. And of course, Brittany, being the level-headed human being who reels me in all the time, had she said this? Well,
2: the un. <laughs> well, the unfortunate reality is that you know, two men holding hands shouldn't be something that is in your face. Yeah, that's right. right. That's just not, that's not something that should exist. Because, well,
0: but to Southern weirdos. No, I understand. But yeah. to, to
2: heterosexual. I don't think it's
0: in, their, in somebody's face. I'm to, just saying.
2: To heterosexual couples holding hands, when we see that walking down the street, we have no response. But there are some people, particularly in this government building. And um, this video is going to be posted at, I think, 8.30 a.m. tomorrow. I already have it scheduled on the Facebook page, so you can watch the entire video. And you're going to see how these people are reacting when this couple, they aren't even holding hands. They don't touch. They're doing nothing.
0: They look like a couple of buddies who walked in. They both have their hands in their pockets. Right. Standing at the back of the room. Right. Anyway, it's it's deplorable how these two gentlemen are treated. One is an assistant professor. They're dressed well, they're well spoken, they're not aggressive, they're not hateful, they're not angry, they're not demanding. They're very passive. And- in in my in my estimation, because if I was in this position, I don't know that I would have the discipline to act as gracious as they did
2: and they're doing all those things and still being treated badly and the unfortunate reality is that they should be able to hold hands yeah they should be able to kiss each other you know not like crazy pda because people are normally disgusted by that if it's a heterosexual couple but but they should be able to hold hands or you know speak to each other in a loving way like any other person would do in public but they can't do that and they know that so they walk in and they don't
0: So they're standing at the back of the room. They've waited for several minutes here. And that last clip ended at about 38 seconds. And at 5 minutes and 45 seconds, this next clip picks up. They've waited there this entire time, not being helped. There's plenty of people there to talk. And someone from across the room has this to say. Two
9: girls have anything better to do. Yeah, I'm taking time off from work you to do are this. People do that? Are you all wanting a <laughs> marriage license? Yes. Okay. We we do not sell marriage license in this county. You can go to our surrounding campus. Why, why, do do why, why don't you sell them? okay? We would not want you as you we we We'd rather. We'd rather, we'd, rather yeah. we'd rather wait our turn and come up and speak to you one on one. Okay, that's fine. Thank so, you though. You can go to our surrounding counties, okay? We, we would rather you, wait. wait. We'd rather wait and come up and speak to you personally. Thank you. Can anyone else demonstrate that? Yes. Yes. Right. So, so now, need on. to give us. You need to give us the application. Can okay. <laughs> I didn't know that what we were doing was a public business all around here. And that. And you needed to argue with us. Immediately.
0: So there's a couple things that happen here that really draw my ire. The first is that this isn't the public's business to be announcing this in this open room. Oh, are you, are you two men here to get a marriage license to marry one another because you're homosexuals? Right. That's ultimately what he's doing. Right. He's trying to shame them.
2: In front of everyone. Right.
0: Their personal business is being put on display to all of the people in the room. Right. Now, on the video at this point, you don't realize, but there are people there who are filming this couple. Other hateful assholes are in the room, causing a problem.
9: We're in line. We're next. We're next. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Kim, 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 Kim Davis. Can we talk to her then? Your business has been taken care of. No, can we, we, talk her? We, we need to play? speak to She's somebody. Actually busy Is there an application yeah. we can fill out? <laughs> can any of you give us a marriage? like any of you so that's it. No, it's not it. We're going to wait until they're done, and we're going to stand up there and, and yes, properly. I like that they wait actually the people in front of us. Yes. So Kim can help us, but Kim can't talk to us. So she can if she can help us, then she can talk to us. She doesn't look so busy, She's talking to a friend.
0: She came in after you guys. So. What's happening here is Kim Davis, the clerk of the county, this county official, this government employee, is refusing to talk to these two men, even though her personal decision on this matter, it's not a county decision, she, as a county clerk, is refusing to issue marriage marriage licenses to homosexuals, which means all of her employees who work within the clerk's office. ...are also not allowed to issue them. Right. So this next clip is very quick.
2: Well, I'd like to say one thing. So picture, picture the scene here. And I think it's very important for those that are opposed to LGBTQ rights... ...to listen to this video and really think on this. These two men are standing in this building. They're addressed from across the room. Their business is being announced to everybody. They've been waiting for several minutes. No one will help them.
0: They won't even allow them to approach the counter...
2: Then someone says, your business has been taken care of.
0: Yeah, I've already talked to you from across the room in a shitty, rude, condescending manner. Your business has been addressed.
2: I mean, it is so hard for me to hear that and watch this and try to understand how these two men are feeling in that moment when this whole thing is on display for everyone to see. Right. I mean it's just horrific.
0: And being filmed, like in this next clip, by hateful hillbillies. Defense of ignorance. That last that last idiot that you heard is this this Uh, I I mean, it's going to devolve into name-calling, so I'll stop. Brittany's giving me the the crook eye. It's
2: just a guy who is filming the couple, and then the woman who's filming. He's
0: got his backward Ford hat on, his tattered white t-shirt with words written on it, like in a marker,
2: Right, and and he says,
0: the face of ignorance.
2: To the couple and the woman filming. Right,
0: as he's filming. He's not
2: talking about himself. This is in
0: view (laughs) of the camera, that's
2: Right. But he should be talking about himself. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, he should. He should. So this next is they finally get to the counter, and they're not talking to the actual county clerk. They're just talking to one of the desk people that you meet at a government office. Mm-hmm.
9: Can they to her directly? Um, so she gets quick, just a few more, if you'd like to imagine. Well, if I could mention, I have... The letter from the governor's office stating that all the county clerks are to issue marriage licenses. And I also have the Supreme Court ruling, and I want to be kind of very specific with the language that's in this ruling, and if you just give me a minute. We right. know what it reads, sir. It does. This, it says the court. We know what it reads, sir, and we're not issuing any licenses. We've, we, we've Do come down. To to her, we've been to here. here. We've lived here you for over ten years. years. We've come down here for so for registration. You can to go in any yeah. county, other county, and get your marriage license. We're just not doing it this time. Not we not we, we own property family. here. We pay taxes here. We live here. We have our right. It's not her choice. According to the document, according to this ruling, and according to Governor Bashir, she does not have the right to refuse.
0: So what you don't hear because I couldn't enhance the audio enough because it's terrible. Um, you don't hear that there's this peanut gallery of people who are snickering and laughing and being very shitty to these two men. And the one guy, he says, I'm going to go out and get my license. And that is when the county clerk finally appears and gets ready to have a conversation.
2: Kim Davis.
0: Kim Davis. She finally appears and she's ready to talk about her deeply held personal beliefs that preclude her from doing her civic duty as the clerk of the entire county, not just its straight residents, not just its straight citizens, but everyone.
9: Well, I'd
7: like to see the picture of someone. Right? This is his right to have it filmed as well. It's also a
9: common currency to not show it in people's places. But it's for her protection.
2: It's also for his rights. We'll talk right here and you
9: can and you can put that away, okay?
2: David here. Okay. Hold it yourself. All right. So unfortunately, that's where the recording ends. Right. Um I wish that they would have just continued and not allowed that woman to say, put your phone away. Um, well, the
0: woman's the clerk. They Right.
2: Who knows what would have happened if they continued?
0: I don't know how they're able to muster this much grace under fire. Right. Under condemnation. That... Seriously.
2: Well, I... it's just pure discrimination. And you're treating these people as though they're second class citizens. And they're still being so cordial. I mean, it's amazing. But so Kim Davis, her email is Kimberly b period davis kimberlyb period davis at ky.gov and her phone number is 606 784 5212 she is one of three county clerks in kentucky
0: and suspiciously enough one of the other clerks in kentucky also has the last name of Davis, Casey Davis. And I'm not sure if he is related at all to Kim, but it might just be a coincidence.
2: Right, so he is also refusing to issue marriage licenses based on his...
0: Deeply held mythological belief.
2: So what has happened in Kentucky is that the governor has now said that these county clerks must comply with the law issue marriage licenses or resign. That's right. That is what he is saying.
0: Do your job or get the fuck out.
2: And Casey Davis is saying, I can't quit. I have a mortgage to pay. And he is saying that he is neither going to issue marriage licenses nor resign. He says, quote, nature's law will supersede any law that man puts on a piece of paper. My job cannot go beyond what my conscience allows. Well, then why don't you resign? If your job cannot go beyond what your conscience allows then maybe you should not work in that job. Right,
0: is he issuing is he you know recording um divorce decrees? Is he is he recording the births of children who are out of wedlock? I mean what what else is he choosing what what other portions of his job is he choosing not to do? based on his religion.
2: Well, listen, won't God know that he's just having to do a job to support his family?
0: Right. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar.
2: I mean, won't God be forgiving of the fact that he was just trying to do a job to provide for his family? (laughs) So listen, this is what he's done. He's proposed the automatic issue of marriage licenses online as a workaround so that clerks don't have to be involved in this depraved behavior he says quote we bank online we buy groceries online we buy hunting and fishing license online i think we can buy marriage licenses online and that relieves the 120 county clerks of this state
0: so everything that could be done in person is now being done online or only marriages because if you're also offering fishing licenses in person i mean it, it doesn't make sense you're once again separate but equal Right. Oh, it's the same thing, but it's just a little different.
2: Right. Just a little
0: bit different. Yep there.
2: So what's going to happen is, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, people are going to watch that video and be they're fucking they're, embarrassed. They're going to look at Kim Davis, Casey Davis, these county clerks that are refusing to issue marriage licenses. And those individuals will be no different.
0: Than Strom Thurmond.
2: From the people who said, no, you cannot sit at this counter.
0: That's exactly right.
2: No, you cannot drink from this drinking fountain.
0: That's exactly right.
2: It's going to be no different. And I I wish that they could see into the future, the very near future, and realize what's going to be in store for them.
0: Yeah. We will see. We will see. Well, as always on the show, we like to leave you feeling good and not ready to smash someone's head with a brick because they're hateful bigots. So we are going to wish Malala Yousafzai.
2: Good job. I won't be saying the last name.
0: (laughs) We'd like to wish her a happy 18th birthday.
2: Right. She turned 18 today, um, Sunday, July 12th. And how did she celebrate it? She celebrated.
0: Yeah, goddamn. I mean, if you could do any more to make me feel inferior, Malala, you did it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> she marks the day by opening a school for Syrian girls in an informal refugee settlement in Lebanon. So she is helping Syrian refugees
0: with on her their birthday. Yeah,
2: get an education on her birthday. Yeah,
0: if you were getting shit hammered, rug sucking, snot slinging drunk on your 18th birthday, drinking Boone's Farm or wine coolers or whatever you did, I want you to just reflect on the fact that this beautiful young woman is spending her 18th birthday with Syrian refugees in a refugee camp in Lebanon. People who have escaped the terrible conditions of Syria and are now being living in a terrible situation in another country.
2: And not only that, she gave a speech on her birthday and she criticized world leaders for failing, (laughs) (laughs) for failing Syrian refugees, especially Syrian children. Yeah.
0: So listen, if you're not familiar with the story of the beautiful, strong, determined, unbelievable Malala Yousafzai, let me remind you of a little bit of her story.
8: Malala Yousafzai is a teenager from the Swat Valley of Pakistan, a region bordering northeast Afghanistan, a place defined by high mountains, green meadows, clear waters, and bloody conflict. By the age of 12, Malala was an activist. In 2009, she wrote a diary for the BBC, which described the atrocious deeds of the Taliban and advocated equal opportunities and education for women. In 2011, Malala was nominated for the International Children's Peace Prize and in December of that year received Pakistan's first national youth peace prize for her efforts. She also received death threats. Malala was repeatedly warned by the Taliban to be silent, to immediately discontinue her public criticisms and to stop speaking out for the rights of an obviously inferior gender. In the eyes of the Taliban, Malala and all women were to submit and accept their place in the order of things. But Malala was not silent. On October 9, 2012, as Malala Yousafzai and other girl students were riding home from school, armed gunmen halted the vehicle and opened fire. Two other girls were seriously wounded. Malala was shot in the head. At the age of 15, for the terrible crime of insisting that girls had the right to get an education, to better themselves, to break the cultural shackles which imprisoned them, Malala Yousafzai was the enemy. To the Pakistani Taliban, her words were as dangerous as any weapon of warfare, because they challenged the order of things, because they insisted that fanatical men did not deserve to be the masters of her world because they were spoken by a defiant, free, female voice. For this, the Pakistani Taliban declared war on a little girl because she was the symbol of the infidels and obscenity. But Malala did not die. She escaped death by inches. And her recovery has inspired millions across the planet. Among the first public photos of Malala's recovery is this one, the young girl reading a book, a symbol of the very education the Taliban wishes to deny. Schools have been renamed for her. Petitions for girls' education are being circulated in her honor. And for the moment, millions of eyes are opened to the brutal, cowardly, oppressive cultures that seek to keep women's rights To keep human rights under their boot. Malala Yousafzai's story is a compelling one. Unfortunately, it is not a new story. Every day, atrocities like this are committed around the world. And for thousands of years, tyrants have been terrified that those under their control will rise up and wield the most dangerous weapon of all. An idea. This is a critical moment. This horrific act of violence and oppression charges us to take a long, hard look at things and decide that we cannot, we will not stand quietly as our fellow human beings are tortured and executed for the crime of thinking for themselves. That we refuse to be threatened into submission and that we will not stop fighting until those oppressed are physically and intellectually free. Thank you, Malala, for showing us how powerful a single voice can be, for providing an example of real courage, and for reminding us that the fight for human rights is not the responsibility of any one person, but is instead the responsibility of us all.
2: So Malala is a perfect human being. Yeah, so good. Anytime I hear her story, I am emotional. Anytime I see photos of her recovering from her gunshot wound to the head, I become emotional. She's just so inspiring. She just turned 18. She's already done so much to advance the cause for human rights, for girls' rights, for education. She's just a phenomenal person, and everyone should... Like Malala Fund, her Facebook page, and, you know, donate to Malala Fund. And then there's also a movie, a documentary coming out about her called He Named Me Malala.
0: Yeah, it'll be good. I mean, I have high hopes that it'll be good.
2: It's coming out October 2nd of this year. And so... Yeah, very soon. That's good. Yeah.
0: So, you know, there's a a quote that is very commonly misattributed to a man named Edmund Burke that says that, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And obviously he's using the 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 royal men that it's everybody. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for all of us or any of us to let it happen, to do nothing, to not stand in the void for someone else. And it's clearly what Malala chose not to do she she chose not to do nothing but instead she has she has stood defiantly in the face of an assassination attempt and lived to tell about it it's a beautiful thing she's our the, the latest Nobel Peace Prize winner and one that is uh, certainly deserving of the aforementioned award <laughs> So we want to wish her a happy birthday very much. That last bit of audio that you heard comes courtesy of The Thinking Atheist, Seth Andrews over there, produced that video. Very, very good. Go check out his website, his Facebook page, The Thinking Atheist. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. I'm sure he would appreciate it. He does uh, Yeoman's work over there. Very good. Very well produced video. Super informational. We appreciate it very much. With that, we're going to leave you with that little uplifting note. Happy birthday, Malala. We appreciate your listenership very much. As always, if you'd like to help us, if you'd like to support the show, other than listening twice a week, you can visit dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. You can visit the Amazon search bar. If you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon, why not help support your favorite twice-weekly podcast, Filled with news, news and ridiculous comment. There's also Patreon.com/slash I Doubt It With Dollar More, where you can donate, you know, twenty-five cents, fifty cents, a dollar, two dollars an episode, whatever you can afford, whatever you could spare, whatever you'd like to contribute would be awesome. We appreciate everything our audience does for us, from listening to donating to communicating with the show. I guess that leads me into dropping the number 657-464-7609 We love you We appreciate you For taking part In this thing that we do Helping to move the conversation forward Twice a week For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore And this has yet again Been I Doubt You're an 80 year old man or woman Who doesn't understand technology